Do you think it's possible that there are people in our community, and maybe even in our churches, that identify themselves as Christian, or would call themselves Christian, but yet have never had a scripturally life-changing, life-freeing encounter with Jesus Christ? Jesus thought it was possible. He gave a warning at the end of his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, to those very same people. What makes a difference? What makes a change? This morning in our sermon that was taped on Sunday, March the 24th, Palm Sunday, entitled Living He Loved Me, Dying He Saved Me, we're going to look at the power of the cross and how the cross changes everything. I hope you enjoy it as you join our service in progress. One day they led him to Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected. Bearing our sins, my example is he. And the healed nation stretched out on a tree. Took the nails from me, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glory. Death cannot hold him, the grave cannot keep him from rising again. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified.
Spirit, you come and have your way in this place. Teach us your truth. Teach us your way. Teach us your will. Next few minutes, in your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. When I was in seminary, I had a a theology professor that liked to teach us by instigating debate. He would uh, have us pick sides, and a lot of times he had us pick sides that we didn't necessarily agree with to try to defend those sides, and it's a great way to learn. Uh, You know, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, and so as you debate and discuss and wrestle with an issue, it's a great way to begin to allow truth to come into your heart, and one day he really challenged us and got a real heated debate started. Uh, You know, in the Jewish faith, uh, you can be call yourself a Jew uh, because of the culture, because of your background, because of your history, and yet not believe anything in the Jewish practice. You can uh, call yourself Jewish, but yet not believe or not practice any of that religious faith. And so he asked us this one day in class, he said, if that's true of the Jewish faith, that there are a lot of people out there that say that they're Jewish, but yet they don't believe uh, in the Jewish uh, theology or the Jewish practice, and they don't practice their faith. Can there come a time, will there come a time, when there will be a culture of Christianity, a group of people that call themselves Christians, but yet don't practice their faith, yet don't hold to the tenets of Christianity? And it caused an incredible debate this idea that there could be those out there that call themselves Christian, that, that identify themselves as Christian, but yet don't follow the biblical practice of Christianity, have never really had a biblical, scriptural uh, experience with Jesus Christ. And I remembered that debate this last year. I had a college student that had heard me, uh, I spoke at the Baptist Campus Ministries one Tuesday night at their worship, and he was there, and he heard me, and so he came to church here the next Sunday, uh, and, and he emailed me and asked if we could get together for lunch or for coffee, and I don't do coffee, so we did lunch, and uh, we just got together, and he began to share his faith journey with me. And some of you may have a relational faith journey. It may be similar to what you experienced. We, we got together and he began to share that uh, he grew up with, with parents that went to church sporadically. They were at church every so often. That uh, His grandparents went to the same church that he grew up going to. And his, niece, his cousins and, and aunt and uncles all went to the same church. And uh, as he went to this church, it, it was just off and on. But it would be what we probably would call a Christian home. Uh, He remembers going to vacation Bible school. He remembers going to things as a child. Uh, So he grew up in that type of environment. And he said when he was 14, uh, some of his friends that were there at the church were going to youth camp that summer. And so they encouraged him to go to youth camp. He'd never been to any experience like that, never had an, an encounter like that or an experience like that, so he went uh, and said it was a, a great, fun time, got to know other people in the youth group. But one night, the, the speaker was, was talking about hell, was relating what hell was like and the realities of hell, and uh, it really inflamed everybody emotionally. And so the speaker offered an invitation uh, at the end of that meeting by saying, uh, if you don't want to go to hell you come down and pray with us. And so this young man says, as a 13, 14-year-old student, he said, well, well, who wants to go to hell? He said, I, and he stopped at that point. He said, I got up and went down to the front. He said, but I don't know whether it was conviction, whether it was guilt, whether it was curiosity. He said, but I, I walked down the aisle. 
And he said, when I walked down, there were counselors down there, and a counselor grabbed me and took me over to the side, and the first thing he said to me was, was do you want to go to hell, point blank? And the young man said, no, I, I don't want to go to hell. That's not, you know, who's gonna, what, kind, what kind of answer is that? What kind of question is that? But no, I, I don't want to go to hell. And, and immediately the counselor said, well, then repeat after me this prayer. And he led him in what we know as the sinner's prayer. You know, I believe uh, that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he saved me. And he said, repeat these words. And this young man said he, he had trouble because he didn't know what he was doing. He was just saying these words after this counselor. And so when they finished, the counselor looked at him and said, now you're a Christian. And now you don't have to worry about hell ever again. And this young man walked out and thought, well, that's what it means to be a Christian. He went back to his cabin. He told his youth minister. He went back to church and got baptized. Uh, but he told me, he said, nothing ever changed. He said, I went all through high school. I went back home, and, and there was never any change in my life. Now, my question to you is, is that what Jesus intended when he looked at his disciples and said, give up everything you have and come follow me? Is that what Jesus meant when he said in Luke 14, anyone who does not deny himself and take up his cross and give up everything he has cannot be my disciple? Did all he mean in that was just saying some rote prayer, just repeating some words back? Now, I don't discount anything that the Holy Spirit can do through, through our words and our desires. But let me ask you something. Is that, is that the, the whole of Christianity? And if that's the case, then we have a disparity in what the Bible teaches and what many people experience. And it scares me to death. See, Jesus believed that there would be a whole culture of people that called themselves Christians. A whole group of people that identified because of the home that they were raised in or the groups that they associated with, that they would call themselves Christians but yet never have a life-changing experience. You don't believe me? He ended his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, with these words from Matthew 7. Listen, listen to what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of the Father who is heaven. Now, he's not talking about works there. He's talking about God's will is that man be saved. And not everyone will accept Christ as your Savior. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. You see, what I'm afraid is that in our zeal for evangelism, with all the good intentions in the world, is we are creating a cultural Christianity that does not allow people to experience the life-changing, life-freeing power of Jesus Christ. We live in a country where 75% of its inhabitants identify with being a Christian. As a pastor, this verse is the most scary verse in the Bible. It, it keeps me up at night to think that we have churches and we have communities that are filled with people that would say, I'm a Christian, but have never experienced the changing power of the cross. You think, I think it all boils down to that word that, that Jesus used there when he said at the end of his passage, I never knew you. 
I never knew you. See, it's the same word that, that I want us to look at that's on your blue sheet there in Philippians. It's the same word Paul uses. Listen, listen as Paul uses it here in Philippians 3. And I'm going to go back and start. We're going to stay at 10 and 11, but I want to read to give you a background. But whatever was to my profit, I'm starting in verse 7, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. There's that word knowing again. For whose sake I've lost everything. He's saying everything I've had in my past. Paul just goes through a litany of his resume. All that everyone thinks is great in this world is gone so that I could know. Same word, know Jesus Christ. For I consider that rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And this is our verse, for I want to know the same word, Christ, and the power of his resurrection. Let me ask you this morning, do you want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering? And this is key, becoming like him in death, And so somehow to attain a resurrection from the dead. To know. I never knew you. See that word there, know, is more than to experience. It's more to to understand. It's more than just having a head knowledge of knowing about something, knowing a story. It's even more than just saying something. The word there is the Greek word gnosko. Gnosko. It's the same word. Let me give you an illustration of how you understand what this word means. It's the same word, root word, that we have in Genesis where it says, Adam knew Eve. Now, a lot of times we look at that verse and we say, well, that's sexual. No, it's not sexual. It it is so much more. It requires, it, it defines with the weight of intimacy. What it is saying is that Adam knew Eve. He had an intimate relationship. There was no uh, holding back. There was nothing hidden. There was nothing uh, in the past that they weren't letting go to be able to embrace this relationship. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul says, I want to intimately experience Jesus Christ. Jesus said, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we go to church and sing songs? Didn't we walk an aisle? Didn't we say a prayer? Didn't we get baptized? And he says, but I never intimately had an experience with you. Depart from me. Some of you say, well, what does that have to do with Easter? I mean, aren't we supposed to be looking forward? It's Palm Sunday. Shouldn't we be looking forward to to Resurrection Sunday? Well, this is the message of Easter. It's the message of the cross. Because you see, you need to understand that you cannot intimately know Jesus Christ without the cross. Because it's at the cross that an avenue was created so that we could know him intimately. People say, why can't we just get to Easter? Why do we have to talk about the cross? Why do we have to talk about what happened at the cross? Because without the cross, there is no Easter. You see, without death, there can be no life. Without Jesus' death on the cross, there can't be a, a way that is made for a new day and a new beginning. All of us need to understand this morning. Paul says, I want to experience. I want to understand the power of the resurrection. But you can't understand that power until you understand death. 
That's why Paul could say things like he says in Galatians, that I've been crucified with Christ, yet I no longer live. You see, just as Jesus experienced death, for us to experience an intimate relationship with Christ, there has to be death in our lives. There has to be a dying to self. There has to be a dying to my will. A dying to the things that I hold tight to. Because you see, next week I'm going to talk about the same verse and talk about what it means to experience resurrection. Resurrection, the the ability to turn wrong into right, to turn bad into good, to turn those things that are painful into things that are beneficial. You see, Resurrection Sunday is a new day, but you can't experience Resurrection Sunday until you experience the death that happened on the cross. Now, I'm not saying you and I have to die. Jesus did it for us. But to experience him intimately, to have a relationship with him, means that there has to become death or you'll never experience new life. That's what Paul's saying is I want to experience, I want to relate to him in his death. So what does that mean for you and I? How does that relate to what Easter's message is for us? Romans 3.23 tells us this, that all have sinned fallen short of the glory of God. So that means that everyone in here has sinned. It means missing the mark. Now, when we compare ourselves to the people around us, we may say, I'm pretty good. But when we compare ourselves to the standard that God set, all of us in here miss the mark. And the Bible says, because of that sin, you and I are separated from God. See, God created us for fellowship. You were created to the praise of his glory, Ephesians 1 says, so that you might have fellowship with him. But Isaiah 59.2 says, Your iniquities, your sin, have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he can't hear you. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin, because of that sin, that there has to be death. Because of sin, there has to be a shedding of blood. Now, in the Old Testament, in that old sacrificial system, they would sacrifice an animal to cover their sins. But, but it never wiped away the sin. It just covered it. See, because an animal can't make a substitute for man. An animal can't wipe the sin away. And so God, in his love, John 3.16 tells us, sent his own son Because God knew the only way to eradicate sin and the guilt and the power of sin and death is for his own son to shed his blood. And so you and I understand that on that horrible Friday that we don't like to think about. The Bible says it was God's perfect timing. We talked about that in Corinthians last Easter. That when God's perfect timing was there, Jesus, on that Friday, gave his own life. Nobody took it. Jesus became the sacrifice. Why? So that we might be able to have an intimate relationship with God. You see, you need to understand, Jesus died a real death. Sometimes we can get lost in the the passion of the Christ. Sometimes the picture, we get wrapped up into that. 
you're watching the Bible series, they're, they're following the life of Jesus, and it's a really good series. And I'm interested to see, I've seen some clips already of how they look at the death of Christ. Uh, you know, the Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson, it's easy for us to see that and to be overwhelmed with emotion. But in that emotion, sometimes we miss the meaning of the cross. See, what took place as the Son of God hung on that piece of wood? See, He took our shame. And he took our separation from God. And he took our sin. And he suffered. And he died. Why? Well, the Bible tells us he did it so that you and I might be pardoned. Ephesians 1 says it was the redemption of his blood that sets us free. Redemption means that there was a price paid. Jesus on the cross paid the price. But he did more than that. He opened the door to intimacy for you and I with God. You see, apart from Jesus Christ, you can do all kinds of good things. You can come to church. You can write a great check. You can read your Bible every day. But apart from the cross, you can't have an intimate relationship with God. Sin clouds it. Jesus made a way. For you, for me, we come back to Paul. Come back to what he said. You can't have Easter without Calvary. And you can't be a Christian without an intimate relationship with God. Without knowing. Paul said, I want to know. Jesus said, you never knew. Let me ask you this morning. All of you in this room that grew up in church, you recognize what I just gave you here real quickly. It's called the good news, the gospel. The plan of salvation, what some people might say. But my question is, do you know it? Because you see, for the power of the cross to impact your life, it means you acknowledge that Jesus died in my place, that sin destroys, and that the only way I can experience Resurrection Sunday is through the cross. And that means death to myself, my old way, my will. Let me ask you, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever experienced that kind of power? that kind of forgiveness, that kind of peace. You might have been baptized. You might have been in church all your life. None of that matters. What matters is, do you know? You see, in some of our hearts, I think we know that we don't. And, and sometimes it's pride that keeps us from changing it. We go on pretending why pretend this Easter when you can experience, when you can know? That student told me then at lunch that he went all the way through high school. He'd go to church every once in a while, and the preacher would preach, and he'd get convicted, and the Holy Spirit would speak to him. But he always told himself, but you said a prayer. You said those words. Like, I told you, you're a Christian. He came to App, and he got into college, and 
his roommate was a Christian. His words, not mine, he said, but he was a different kind of Christian. So what do you mean? He said, well, he read his Bible. He prayed. When I would sleep in on Sunday, he would get up and go to church, and he would ask me, why don't you come to church? Why don't you come to the BSM, Baptist Student Ministries, with me? He said, but I always made excuses. He said, but I watched him, and I wondered, why were we different? And then he said his roommate gave him a book by Kyle Eidelman, which is a really great book called Not a Fan. And what Eidelman does in the book is he, he talks about the same thing that I'm talking about, but he uses the terminology uh, that there's a whole lot of people out there that are fans of Jesus, but not followers of Jesus. And it's an indicting book. A whole lot of people that claim the name Christian but have never experienced biblical Christianity. And so the roommate gave him this book, and he said he, he put it over on a shelf like some of us do. And he made excuses, and he made excuses, and then one night, he was bored, and so he picked it up and began to read it. And he, he said, I can't explain it, Rusty. He said, it just came alive. He said, and as I read it, I realized that I was just a fan. I wasn't a disciple. You see, listen to me. There's no degrees in Christianity. There's no levels. There's no entry level where you get just a little bit. There's no time that you can say, I'll just take this and take that, and I'll take Jesus as just a good teacher and not my Savior. Or, or like people used to tell me when I was young, you can accept him as Savior and then Lord later. No, it, he is who he is, and you accept what he did on the cross or you don't accept him. You see, the cross is a crossroads, and when you're confronted with the cross of Jesus, you have to make a decision, and to not make a decision is a decision. You make a decision whether you say yes to what he did, yes to what he wants to give you, or you walk away. And this young man said, I realized as I read that book and the Holy Spirit came into my heart that all of my life I was just a fan. That that prayer was just words because I never understood the cross. I never understood the power that I had to die to receive new life. And he said, Pastor, all night I stayed up and read that book. And he said, and in that end, as I came to the back, and there was a, a prayer there and an understanding of what it means to have an intimate relationship with Christ, he said, all of a sudden, something different came over me. He said, I realized it was me releasing everything I was holding back. It was me letting go. And I was no longer just a fan. Now I was a follower. He said he, he, he came and told his roommate, and that Tuesday his roommate brought him to the Baptist Campus Ministries, and so then he heard me. I just happened to be speaking, and he came to church, and that's what precipitated us getting lunch. But I, 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 I'll never forget as we sat there at lunch, and, and you could see him being there was something different. He said, Pastor, one of my friends told me to read Philippians as a new believer, and so I've been reading it the last two weeks. He said, do you know Philippians 3.10? I said, I, I know about it. I don't necessarily can quote it. I know it's right before 12 and 13, some of my favorite passages. He said, well, look it up and have a Bible on my phone. Praise the Lord for smartphones, right? Have a Bible on my phone, and I pulled it out, and I started reading. For I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering 
becoming like him in death, somehow attaining the resurrection of life. He looked at me and he said, that's me. He said, now I know. See, the question for you and I, church, is do you know? Do you know? Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I I don't know why God wanted me to preach this this morning. Palm Sunday. But I know it's the power of the cross. I'm just going to ask you a simple question to ask in your spirit. Have you experienced the forgiveness, the freedom, the intimacy with God? Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you had a similar experience to this young man. Have you ever been set free, really? And right now, the Holy Spirit is telling you, you, that's you. You don't know. You pretend and you smile and you put on a face, but you can be set free this morning. Don't let pride, don't let pride keep you from doing what you need to do. Holy Spirit, you know hearts. You know, you're the one who changes them. You're the one who turns them. You're the one who, who redeems them. Father, this morning, if there's anyone here that's just a, a fan, if someone was to ask them, they'd say, I'm a Christian, but they're just a fan. They're not a disciple. They're not a follower. They're not experiencing that intimacy, that power of the cross, the, the power of new life. Father, this morning, I pray that whatever I say would be dull compared to what you're saying in their heart right now. Father, speak to us. Do your work. For those of you that are Christians and you know that you know, pray for those around you. Pray that it would be crystal clear where they stand. There'd be no doubt. There'd be no mixed line that they would know. God, speak. Release your power. The power of the cross here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to close. I wish I could tell you if the Holy Spirit's working that, that there were some magic words to say. There's not. All you have to do is to say yes to the cross. Yes. I was sinning. Empty. No hope. Yes. I want to know. I want to know. You say that this morning. I promise you the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells, will come in and change you from the inside out. Some of you have been trying to change from the outside in, and it's not working from the inside out this morning. What's the message of Easter? The cross. The resurrection. Dying to myself so that I might can experience new life. You want that this morning? All you have to do is ask. It's so simple. We make it so hard, so complicated, so simple. Yes. The Bible says when when you receive, then you need to let others know. And I'm not going to have you come and tell me today, but maybe you might need to come and pray. Maybe you might need to come to the altar. Maybe you need to tell your parents Tell your friends, tell your spouse, I 
I was a fan, but now I'm a follower. Then you need to follow the Lord in baptism. That's what I told this young man to do. He said, what do I do now, pastor? I said, you go back to your home church where they all thought you claimed the name Christian. And you go down one Sunday morning and you stand in front of your church and say, I was a fan, now I'm a follower. And you let your pastor baptize you as a testament to the power of the cross. What's God saying to you? You do business with him. Just stand as we worship. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing love, now flowing down. From hands and feet that were nailed to a tree, His grace flows down and covers me. It covers me. It covers me. It covers me. It covers me. Lord, you cover me. It covers me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing love. Now flowing down from hands and feet that were nailed to a tree. His grace flows down and covers me. It covers me. It covers me. It covers me. It covers me. Lord, you cover me. It covers me. I hope you know that's true. That it's available to every person here. That grace that covers, that strengthens, that encourages, that blesses. I want to encourage you. If God's speaking to you, if you're struggling with this idea of knowing that you know, Email me, call me. I'd love to pray with you, talk with you. Love to encourage you, bless you. Let me know what God's doing. I believe he's working in some of your lives. For those of you that are believers, maybe this morning was just a reminder. Just a reminder of what's available. You at one time in your life experienced the power of the cross. But you've been taking it for granted. You've forgotten that there is an intimacy available. There is a relationship with a holy God that loves you so much that he let his son endure this. You put it on the back burner. You put it behind this morning. Recommit yourself this holy week to understanding the power available. It covers me. It covers me. I want to sing that through one more time, then I'll close this in prayer. But I want you to sing this 
as a reality, as truth this morning. That even if this morning, if you were a fan when you walked in and now you're a follower, guess what? It covers you. It covers you. The power of sin, gone. The power of guilt, gone. The power of death, gone. Why? Because of the amazing grace of the cross. You sing that to him one more time, then I'll close this. It covers me. It covers me. It covers me. It covers me. It covers me, grace flows down, grace flows down, grace flows down and covers me. Amen. God bless you for getting out. I pray that you've been blessed for being here. I pray that the Holy Spirit has challenged you and encouraged you. Uh, As the Holy Spirit put this on my heart, I said, God, that's such a simple message. I said, yes, it is. But somebody needs to hear it simply put. So I pray that that was you.